Welcome to another episode of the Piano Pod. I'm Clara Zhang. I am Yukimi Song. For anyone listening or watching our show for the first time, welcome. Yukimi and I are both classical pianists and piano teachers from New York City, and this podcast is for anyone who plays the piano for fun, loves listening to piano music, or for someone who is currently pursuing a career in piano or works in the industry professionally. In each episode, we interview a guest speaker who has been breaking exciting new ground in the music industry. Before getting started, we want to thank our amazing fans and listeners for tuning in. Please rate our show and review it on Apple Podcast, and because every rating review will help people find our show. So today,、yes. uh, before we go, Clara, are you okay with your voice today? Oh yeah, it's a little funny, right? <laughs> I've been getting over a cold, but you know, I have to say, it's a、uh, three years of pandemic. This is、mm. the first time I got sick, and it's not COVID, so I'm gonna be okay. But I'm okay. Might cough a little. <laughs> it's okay. I we I I was just so concerned. Thank you so much.、Okay. So today we have a very unique pianist coming to our show. His name is George Cole from California. He who is a young stunning artist, composer, and improviser. And from what we know, he is not only a pianist but also someone who is very innovative in technology and media and visual art. Interesting fellow, right? Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I really can't wait to interview him. Yeah, well, he's here, so let's get the show started. You're listening to the Piano Pod, where we talk to the brightest minds in the industry about how they are bringing the piano into the 21st century. We're honored to introduce our guest of season three, episode five, Mr. George Cole, young Steinway artist, composer, improviser, who is pushing classical music forward by blending Chopin-like virtuosity with the vast soundscapes of cinema. George's music revolves around improvisation, a practice typically confined to jazz music, which he has brought into the realm of classical music. Many of George's songs are one-take improvs, allowing maximum creativity and spontaneity. Mr. Cole has appeared on stages worldwide, from 2,000-seat auditoriums to Carnegie Hall, and his music has been heard at film festivals, television broadcasts, and music festivals in Italy, Germany, Luxembourg, and China. George is also a successful entrepreneur, having founded several companies and nonprofits, for which he received the CES Innovation Award in Robotics in 2019, the Harvard Governor's 2.0 Award for Innovation in Politics, and a patent in data management. During the pandemic, despite his success in the tech and media sector, he realized his true calling was playing the piano. So he left his job and began focusing on playing piano professionally for the first time. He is now a young Steinway artist, and Steinway has described him as quote making classical music accessible and exciting for the masses end quote. So George. Welcome to the Piano Pod. We're very、Welcome. happy to have you. Thank、oh、you so、God. much. Yes. yes, 
Oh, thank you, Camille. What thank you, talent. Clara. Thank you so much for having me. And that was like uh, being referred to as Mr. Co makes me sound way more important than I should be. So, <laughs> you are, yeah, well, you are. You are very important to us. So, yes, and to our audience. So, I, we are very happy to have you. So, where are you joining from today, George? Yeah, I'm. I'm tuning in from Pasadena, California, just mm. east of LA. So Pasadena. wonderful. Very yes. Cool. Yes, and then I see the piano. I assume that's a Steinway piano, and oh no, it's a Yamaha. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh. No, no, no. I was just kidding. Okay. Uh, Steinway, Steinway. I love your pianos. Please, please, please don't, please don't expunge me. No, this is. Uh, yeah, this is. Uh, I'm very lucky. This is a 2012 Model O from New York. Oh, wow. And mm -hmm. uh, the fun fact about this one is this is the very piano they recorded La La Land oh. on. It's actually in one it's in one scene of the movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's been on three other TV shows. And mm. I'm very lucky to have it in my apartment. <laughs> A grand yeah, piano so in my apartment. So... Yeah. Thank you, Steinway. Thank you. Oh, wonderful. So actually, Ryan Gosling touched that piano? Oh, yeah. yeah. And they, they, rec they recorded all of the music on this uh -huh. piano. It was, they used this piano for the soundtrack. And, oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And then I think Eric Garcetti, the mayor, he christened this piano as like the La La Land piano. And so uh -huh. I, I didn't have a piano in LA and, you know, pian Steinways are incredibly expensive. And this mm -hmm. is during the peak pandemic. And mm -hmm. I, I just moved to Pasadena and I asked Steinway, I said, hey, you know, I still play piano. I'm not doing it like full time anymore, but I'm, I'm building back the music. And mm -hmm. I was just wondering, could I borrow an upright? And then an upright right. turned into a Boston Grant, and then a Boston Grant turned into, we'll just loan you this Model O because no one's using it. And then I tried um, it, uh -huh. and it has like the most beautiful soundboard. It sounds like a B, mm -hmm. even yeah. though it's an O. And, right. um, and I was like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> That's amazing. I know your, uh, we checked out your website and videos and uh, all the uh, audios and everything, and you're an amazing artist. So oh, we you. assume we assume the love of the music was sort of like a love at first sight, right? I, we ah. want to know. <laughs> okay, so how did you start your musical journey? I wanna, we want to know your childhood, how you were raised, and what sort of teachers you had. Yeah, uh, well, guessing from my complexion, mm -hmm. my childhood is pretty predictable, you know? <laughs> Son of immigrant children, you mm -hmm. know, with the hopes and dreams of their parents on their firstborn's shoulders. And uh, I think my, well, my mom's dream was always to be a concert pianist, mm -hmm. but um, she didn't quite make it there. And, so mom played uh, the piano. Mom played the piano. Mm -hmm. I also was misdiagnosed with ADHD. Misdiagnosed? So, misdiagnosed, that's okay. Fine. Uh -huh. uh, so, so my parents and child psychologists thought that I had a severe case of ADHD. Mm. And so my mom, but my mom refused to give me pills, um, which actually this kind of stereotype worked in my case because I was misdiagnosed. But, you know, most uh, most East Asian people don't believe in mental health medicine. Um, <laughs> I, I saw the child psychologist had an obligation through my pre preschool. But so my mom refused to give me medication. And so mm -hmm. she she was like, oh, let's use piano as a way to help you learn how to do tasks one at a time. Mm -hmm. 
absolutely hated it. I oh, like, really piano, you hated? Oh, I, I hate I hated the piano. <laughs> I probably hated the piano until I was twenty one. Honestly, oh my, mm-hmm. wow. Um, and I, yeah, I like my piano lessons were like two minutes. I would run away. I would say mm-hmm. go use the bathroom, and I'd, I'd run away. Like I'd be in my teacher's house. I need to use the bathroom, and I just run out the door. Um, so I hated the piano, and I know it was never serious. I played mm-hmm. like one hour a week, mm-hmm. but I seemed to have. I was not a prodigy, so I wasn't one of those mm-hmm. kids on YouTube at twelve playing. I wasn't doing uh-huh. any of that. Right. Um, but for some reason, I could pick it up quickly. And, and I, you know, I just didn't practice. And Do you have I, perfect pitch? I don't have perfect pitch. Mm. I have uh, what a previous teacher called one of the worst relative pitches mm. I've ever seen. So mm. I, I, was, I was very, I didn't really feel like I was good at piano at any point. I, I, but I, I knew there was pockets and moments where I had some aptitude in it because Mm. it would take me sonically it would take me very little effort to develop something so like for example if i listen to uh, an artist play the piano Mm. like um someone who was really influential for me was was rubenstein and long long but if i heard a rubenstein recording or when i heard long long live Mm. like i understood what like for long long i understood what projection meant like i knew Mm. like for some reason after watching one of his concerts Mm. Even though I hated the piano, I knew <laughs> I like I truly hated, but I knew how to play for three thousand people after wow. I heard one of his shows. And I remember huh. playing for him one time, and he was playing saying, for Lang Lang. Yeah, when I was like wow. really young, and I this wow. is, I still hated the piano. And he <laughs> was, he was kind of like, "Wow, you 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 have a concert sound," and that was like a huge mm. compliment. But yeah. I so I knew how to do that without mm. much practice. But like all the technical stuff, like. Oh, I just cut my fingers. I can't do that. Oh, like, you know, yeah. Like right, right. Yeah. That, that was all practice later mm-hmm. down the road. But yeah, I hated it. I hated it. Wow. Truly hated it. Sorry. But, that was a long ramble on hating No, that's okay. On a piano podcast. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's okay. But how did this hate turn into love? I mean, we all have this complicated relationship. Yeah. to music right i mean as much as i love you know sometimes depends on the phase the you know, certain phase of your life or yeah. maybe well teachers matter right certain oh, absolutely te- <laughs> tell uh, me more tell me more no yeah i i think um when did it turn into like a passion i it's fairly complicated mm. um i just turned 30 so uh oh. i have, I have Three decades of stories. Okay. Welcome uh, to the hood. Um, thank you. Uh, I've crossed the Rubicon, as as uh, Rosen said in his mm. book on on Beethoven. Anyways, that was a deep classical cut. Anyways, <laughs> um, I, I think um, I think there was like a series of inspirational events, um, and I think I think a really big failure that led me to love music. Um, for me, like first, the first time I saw piano as a beautiful instrument was really when I, I saw Long Long live for the first time when I was thirteen. Mm. He was playing. Uh, you know, he was playing. Ah, uh, Rachmanino. Uh-huh. And actually, power, huh? yeah. Well, we were late, and because the traffic was so bad in San Diego, mm-hmm. and um, and I remember like they weren't letting anyone in between pieces mm. yeah 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 let alone movements and so my mom said hey, my son's studying piano she made up all this bs that i was like 
I love Long Long, so like, could they let me? Could they at least let me in in the second mm-hmm. movement? Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want to go in, and right. so the usher was like, "Fine." So my mom pushed me in, and I didn't know where I was sitting, and I was just walking to my seat, and and then this, and that's when Long Long played. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's like the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And the the orchestra happened to play in tune that day. Mm-hmm. And because uh, <laughs> California orchestras at that time, we weren't at the musicianship we were now. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I just digged at San Diego Symphony. San Diego Symphony is great right now. Please don't yeah. get mad at me. But this, <laughs> it was a different time. It was a different time. <laughs> there was less budget. Uh, but okay, okay, anyways, okay. But uh, no, no, no. But like it, it was it was so magical. And I was like, mm. not, then I started to appreciate it. I didn't love it, but I appreciated it. And then I in, in college, I, I I had a startup and it was one of the first Harvard back startups. Uh, at so the you went to Harvard? Harvard uh, University? Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah mm-hmm. I did. Great. And what uh, uh, you studied music there or what? No, oh. I did not want to be a musician. I thought. Okay. I thought I was going to be like the next Mark Zuckerberg. Talk about okay. being a like having a really idiotic, narcissistic mindset going into Harvard. But yeah. I, 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 I really wanted to do tech. And so I had a company and it was like it was like it had some buzz in Boston, but then it failed spectacularly. You know, we lost all of our money. Um, every, all the product didn't work. And mm. I was feeling kind of down. And I remember uh, Harvard is like, this is talk about privilege. The Boston yeah. Philharmonic, led by Xander, mm-hmm. uh, performs at Harvard twice a semester for mm-hmm. free. And yep. they do a lecture series for mm-hmm. all yep. the students for free with wow. Ben Xander. Xander is a Lamarck yeah. graduate. So mm-hmm. he's like very famous uh, personal development seminar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also part of it, so I'm oh, very fantastic! Aware of it. Wow, yeah, yeah. He and it's so like he even uses the orchestra as like a guinea yep. pig, like just yep. like um, just like a uh, a uh, uh, Bernstein did with mm. the New York Philharmonic. So it's like it's like I just go for the educational component, mm. but they were playing Brahms Fourth Symphony that night, and I don't oh, know I what it. it is. Yeah, mm. I don't know what it is about. Uh, uh, oh shoot! Oh god! I don't yeah, know what it's yeah. about the Fourth Symphony, but mm-hmm. when I heard it, I I don't know. I called my parents and mm-hmm. I said I'm dropping out of Harvard and I'm going to become a musician. And and so I um, did. They almost have a heart attack. Oh yeah, my <laughs> my dad didn't talk to me for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then like oh that's cla- why classic no. classic classic uh, Asian trauma. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know my family was shocked. Uh, but I ag- I agreed to go back to Harvard to finish my degree. But so I decided. So I I studied at Colburn uh, for one year, mm. and then I also studied conducting at the same time. And, wow, and, conducting! Yeah, so I don't have and my you baton with that me. But... In Boston at, so, at uh, Harvard. So or? I t- I took a class at Harvard initially just to kind of get an idea of it. But right. I really studied conducting with George Mester, and he taught me everything. And mm. and and like he was. He was a harsh teacher, but like he really didn't care that I wasn't gifted. He really taught me everything, mm-hmm. baton technique. Um, he, he and his, his teacher was—I um, mean, he studied with Zell and Schulte. So, 
Wow. So, you know, like, I even learned, I don't have a baton here, but, like, I learned how to, like, hold an orchestra, like, and, like, do, like, full legato, and then, like, mm. even, like, cue in different instruments while playing, di- like, it, it, like, he mm. taught me everything about baton technique and mm. how to how to guide an orchestra. So, it was, it was, so I, I did gap year of that, and mm. I was so bad at piano, I couldn't even play, like, like I, I would play with mistakes all the time, or mm-hmm. I I couldn't play like uh, I still I can't play it now. But uh, you know I couldn't <laughs> play any big repertoire, and so during that year of development, I I, I it was the first time in my life I practiced I practiced eight to ten hours a day every mm-hmm. day for one year, and wow. then I went back to Harvard. I switched my major to music, and then I pursued classical music from there, and. So that's when I really got nerdy into music. Like I was in the music library every day. Um, Harvard is very fortunate; they have the most complete classical music library in the world. That's true. And so, yes. so I read everything. Like, <clears throat> like this is when you know going to Harvard is stupid. Like I pulled out a Bach book, mm-hmm. you know, and I opened it, and I noticed it was handwritten. The whole book mm. was handwritten, and it was wow. a it was an archive of all his pieces. Mm. And I remember I went to the librarian and I said, is this the first Bach manual? Mm. Like, is this where BWV numbers came from? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's the original. Wow. It's right said, there. Yeah. And I said, why isn't this in a museum? And we, could, <laughs> we could just check it out. Like, yeah. I, I, I did a paper on Bernstein and I had the original sketches of West Side Story. Mm-hmm. I just checked out. I didn't wear gloves. Well, oh, my, my god! And I just was like. And I have um, Bruckner 5. I had the original score Schulte used. um, All his conducting notes. Oh, my Uh, goodness. I've just seen the weirdest things. So I I, like dive into it. Do you think it's because Yo-Yo Ma went there? And so he invested a lot of... uh, Because my cousin went to Harvard and he was... uh, I mean, he... He's a scientist, and but he studied cello at Harvard, and he was telling me. But he was trying to sneak me in into the library, but I didn't have an ID, so I was like in Kansas. So they would. Oh, oh no! So the Harvard Library is open to the public. Oh, so, I don't know why that day I couldn't get in, but that's because it's Harvard, why. and their their pretentious is is. Oh no no! I don't think he was I know. trying very hard, and he really tried to get me in, and he, I just couldn't. I mean, they they do. Harvard likes to gatekeep because they like to yeah. well, project how important. Well, he was so, you know, we no, were no, all no. like uh, all, we have so. access. No, we have access to, uh, if, you're undergradu- if you're an undergraduate at Harvard, you have, you have the most access to all departments in any mm. department mm. at Harvard. So when I was, you have access to all 50-something libraries and all archives. Mm. Oh, um, wow. You're also allowed to Amazing. take every class at Harvard. So it doesn't so matter cool. if you're an undergrad, you can take the grad classes, PhD, you can do yeah. research. Really? Stuff. You can take wow. everything. Wow. So, and um, so you were a music major at Harvard at one point. I, after, after switching my major the seventh time, I ended up being a music major. Mm. And, Gosh. and yeah, like it was crazy. Like Bob Levin was a, a faculty emeritus. So he, wow. had, he had a Bach era harpsichord. He mm. had a Schumann era uh, piano. He had a mm. Brahms Streicher piano. So oh like we, pl- I got to practice. I practiced Mozart on a, on a uh, Stein. Wow! You know, the... like like the what access. What an opportunity! Was, yeah, it was crazy. So like I dived in nerd deep, and mm. uh, 
And it, so, so, so Harvard was actually really deep into classical music before Yo-Yo, and um, mm. and they uh, they were really big on musicology, Western mm. classical music, Western. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. like they um, they've probably been the top one of the top musicology departments. Uh, probably since the early 1900s. Hmm. So they've just been building their archives. And and Harvard was also a springboard for a lot of important composers. So Stravinsky mm-hmm. gave his first lecture on Rite of Spring at Harvard. Poulenc uh, commissioned a lot of choral works for the Harvard um, a cappella mm-hmm. groups and choirs. Mm-hmm. Um, ah. And so a lot of composers would come to Harvard to do commissions. Ernst Bloch... Uh, was a composer in residence at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Elia Carter graduated from Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, John Adams is done in residency at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Parker Great Quartet. Composer. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, genius. Uh, yeah, yeah, both, yeah. Both, both Luther and John Adams. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, the Parker Quartet is in residence at Harvard. So it's wow. just, it's always been a center of music. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's why Yo-Yo, Yo-Yo went there was because like you could keep it up. I mean, yeah. it's, and, and now you, they have, uh-huh, sorry. Did you ever meet uh, George Lee? We, we George, yeah. Or you guys, uh, of course I met George something? Lee. We have two Georges that I'm are, sure. I'm Chinese, I'm ta- Chinese, Taiwanese American, but like, oh, you, have two, you have two Georges, yeah. mm-hmm. both Chinese, Chinese both at yeah. Harvard. It was exactly. funny because like, um, he would practice. George also kind of got famous because after he played for long, long, right, in the beginning. Uh, like when he was super young, yeah. yeah but super, he, but like he, eight. he became famous because he won. Right. Yeah, he won the Tchaikovsky mm, piano competition. Of that's, wow. that's but uh, he, uh, yeah, it's funny. He would practice like he would practice the toccata, and I would play. <laughs> I just play up a half step, and then oh my goodness, just to, to just to mess with him. No, so yeah, like we should get both of you on our show one time uh-huh. together. Nah, you just need him. <laughs> He's the superstar. You don't need me. Like you just, That's you just have his, uh, his, um, his fantasy wonder is fantastic. I know now. Now I'm getting like way sidetracked. But no, uh, no, no, no. But no, no. Yeah, being That's at Harvard was experience. was super intimidating. Like the mm. musicianship. Just imagine everyone who got into Juilliard and Curtis and then mm. decided not to go. That's mm. the musicians at Harvard. And so I was like at the bottom, like real bottom of the totem pole. Like I. Like when I was in school, no one would really give me opportunities. And so mm. I had to like, I think maybe that's how part of my career is. Like I had to produce my own concerts because Harvard wouldn't support me. Um, mm. Harvard wouldn't give me opportunities to perform. I had to fight for them because mm. I wasn't a famous musician. And so like um, I organized a lot of my own concerts. Mm. Um, Good for you. You know, I like, I had mm-hmm. concerts in my dorm room, like uh-huh. on a keyboard or like, I would um, I would negotiate with like I would negotiate with like student organizations. Be like, hey, can you sponsor my concert? And then I will donate all the tickets back to your organization just to play, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and I I think like back then I was I was kind of bitter because like I, I saw it as like wow all these talented classmates are getting all the opportunities. But then I mm-hmm. look back and I say no, they deserved it. They worked really hard. Right. Um, they are really gifted. They're like. Mm-hmm. There's so many prodigies for some reason, mm-hmm. um, and but but at the same time, it, it forced me to be creative, mm. um, and so now now I don't look at it as like 
bitter because like I, you know as classical musicians we constantly compare ourselves to other people of course yeah, yeah yeah of course no super toxic but yeah right yeah totally i and i totally so that's why i we wanted to interview you so we exactly. love the creativity how you are really using your creativity to reach out to your audience it's awesome and a lot of Thank musicians should, should learn from you now one thing before we talk about other th uh, topics we want to know did you have any jazz training while you're at harvard or anywhere else uh for piano zero oh Absolutely okay zero um mm -hmm. I, I i played in a jazz combo but i couldn't improvise right and i i just read i was Same really here. good yeah mm -hmm. i was really good at sight reading like uh -huh. I, I played jazz alto so like so i had i was the worst jazz musician so harvard has harvard also has like a jazz band and it's really good Mm -hmm. And like, I was the worst person in the band. <laughs> the only reason why they kept me was because of two things. One, mm. I was really good at sight reading. So if they, I could read all the charts. Two, okay. I had a really good sound. That was the mm. only reason, but I was not allowed to improvise at any point. <laughs> that was but, so bad. But he's so ironic. But now here you are, you're an improviser, right? So Yeah, that's all I yeah. do now. So it's super yeah. weird. But, you know, no, 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 it's, it's really cool. But, you know, you, you sort of make fun of yourselves. But, you know, you got this amazing award from Harvard, like Harvard Governor 2.0 Award for Innovation in Politics. I mean, it's amazing. What, what are all these things? Like, you know, before you became the musician, you had this, you know, startups and everything. Can you tell us a little bit? Yeah, I... um I always tell people I have a very schizophrenic career because I just do whatever interests me at the moment. I have mm -hmm. no, like this idea of career planning or <clears throat> like, you know, I'm 30 and uh, a lot of my peers have planned out their careers since college and I've never approached life that way. Um, and mm -hmm. so I think that lends to why I've done so many different things. Like in my in my adult life, I've been a professional like photographer. I've been a designer, Rah. entrepreneur. Mm. Um, I ran my own media company. I was a journalist. Mm. I was a food critic. I, um, <clears throat> you know, I've done manufacturing to software to brand strategy, and I worked in higher ed for a little bit. And so, like, oh I my goodness. super random. You have experience of everything. Wow. I know. But I You're don't. Only 30? <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. I, I think it's just because I never did the, like, I need to stick 10 years into this. I was just like, mm. I'll do this for a year and see what's up. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I would say, like, the, the, the two big things after I left college that I worked on were um, uh, a media company, uh, uh, that was specifically focused on Asian, Asian American stories, mm. um, uh, which I, I launched with the original founder of the magazine, Giant Robot. Uh, it was called Giant Robot Media, and I did that for two years with him. Mm -hmm. um, and his his documentary is coming out actually, and it's in uh, tomorrow, and it's super exciting. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, he he was like that was really fun. And then I worked at a I worked on a robotics company with my brother, and that was mm -hmm. kind of like. <clears throat> the biggest, I guess, things aside from music that I've worked on the last 10 wow. years. And uh, that's, but yeah. that's pretty cool. So while you were doing that, did you keep going with your music career? Yeah, so I guess I should explain that. Like, so after college, um, mm -hmm. Steinway, one of, one of the board members at Steinway heard me play a concert at Carnegie. Mm -hmm. And they were a fan. And so that's how I became a young Steinway artist. I was, I was asked to participate in that process um right. and 
Um, so afterwards, I teamed up with Steinway, and they they kind of backed my career after college. And I I played piano, uh, like in tandem with them for about a year. Um, and then, uh, you know, I I thought this was the dream, and I was playing like seventy concerts. And oh my goodness! And when I w- was this? This is a this recent when I was twenty. This is when I was twenty three. And it. but I hated every second of it. Wow! Mm. Like I hated every part. I hated the practicing. I hated the perfection of it. Mm-hmm. I hated that I couldn't collaborate with anyone. Mm-hmm. Right? It was yeah. a solo yeah. piano. Yeah. And then I hated how everyone was so so narrow minded, and I didn't like how everyone was so mean. Mm. Like no yeah. one told me everyone was mean. Like <laughs> like there are a few like mm-hmm. Emmanuel X, Manny, lovely person. Yo-Yo's right. lovely, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then like some people are only nice to you if you're a prodigy. And mm. I was just like, what is this? Like, why am I, why am I suffering so much for this life? Like this mm. makes no sense. And mm-hmm. it actually reminded me a lot of my experience at Harvard. It was like one of the hardest experiences of my life. It was super mm. condescending, it was super negative environment. I didn't even want to go there. Wow. So I was just like, why am I doing this again? This is mm. so miserable. And so that's when I quit. That's when I left music. And then from when I was 23 mm. to 28, I didn't play professionally. Mm. I would just occasionally play gigs. Like I was, I, I was doing a business trip in Japan mm-hmm. and then Steinway Tokyo was like, oh, we'd love for you to play for our audience. And I was what? like, I haven't played live in like three years. But then mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so this is like 2017. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll give a concert. So I'll just mm-hmm. do one-offs. But mm-hmm. I wasn't really serious for like, for five years, I, mm-hmm. I just did not. It's, I think since I was 23, I didn't really play classical music anymore. I just mm-hmm. kind of, And you know. at this point, you were living in New York, you said. You were yeah, I was. I was in New York because I was getting most of my gigs in New York. New and York. yeah, like we, were, like we were talking about my apartment was literally piano mm-hmm. and bed. Um, and just to give, I, okay, so I was very lucky with the piano I had. But just to give like, the, the realities of being a musician in the industry. So Steinway was very kind to me. And basically they gave me at a ridiculous discount for the same price of a much smaller piano. And with all my life savings, I got a, um, a nine foot Steinway and it okay, was, nine and, it was foot. Wow. and it was the Boston symphony hall D it was a CD six, six, eight. And it was the one that Kissin would use every year. Oh my God! Um, and it was it was Do Kisson's piano. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, it was probably one of the it's one of the best New York pianos I've ever played in my life. Sure. Um, and then in May of this year, I sold it to fund the wow. career. That's amazing. I mean, and that's, like, and like, that's I like selling a leg, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, and if I, honestly, I have to yeah. ever sell my piano, I'm like, that would be the end of everything. <laughs> yeah, and, and for for yeah, I agree. Like it's, it, and, but like I I put it. The way I got around, I mean, I was really sad. I mean, I just drank whiskey every day for two weeks, but I'm not saying you should do that. But, uh, I, 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 I basically thought about it and I, I, I played on a Hamburg a few weeks before that and it was one of the best pianos I ever played in my life. And so mm. I thought, okay, if I'm also way too young to have a nine foot, you know, right. like I got right, way right. too lucky too young and I said, it will come back one time again mm. and i'll find the magic piano again so it's okay to sell it right now 
Yeah, um, yeah. And that piano went to a, a wonderful professor's home, and he's like, he like texted me every day how like it's the best Steinway he's ever played in his life, and right. I would text him back. Every I know it has its own story, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it will, you know, but that's just the realities of being a musician. That's amazing. But. This episode is presented in collaboration with our good friends at Forte, a free alternative to Zoom, purpose built for music teachers. We're happy to announce that Forte will always be free for music teachers, no strings attached. That's right. Forte offers features optimized for classical music lessons, including audio quality far superior to existing platforms, and allowing you to hear every nuance of your student's instrument. Their colleagues at the Royal College of Music, Aspen Music Festival. Curtis Institute and Berkeley College of Music have even used Forte in their own programs. Forte's mission is to radically expand access to high-quality music education worldwide. Forte always puts teachers and their students first. This means you can use Forte with your own students for free forever. And Forte will soon introduce paid features, allowing you to connect with new students around the world. Sign up for free today at fortelessons.com. That is, f o r t e l e s s o n s dot com, or click the link in the description. Let's continue with the episode. I want to know how eventually. So the, at this point, you're twenty two thousand seventeen, right? And then we are. You nobody knew pandemic was going、yeah. to happen a few years later. So. <laughs> What happened within the next few years, and then how did you, you know, eventually come back to it、uh, during the pandemic? Oh my gosh! Yeah, so I,、um, I had some pretty big life events. Like I think my career went this way, and you know, <laughs> I would say like the catalyst of all of music.、Uh, I had a pretty bad breakup, so I think both of those <laughs> things. Happened、It's、and always part of our stories, right? Yeah, and, and then I think, and then COVID <laughs> happened, right?、Um, but right before COVID, I was like, you know, I, what do I want to do with my life? I think that was like the first thing,、mm-hmm. and I remember like waking up, you know, one day, and I'm back living at my parents' place, and I'm like, why am I living at my parents' place again? You know, it's, I felt, it felt, I felt like I failed, even though. Now, after doing therapy for two years, I realized like I didn't fail. It's just everyone was going through a rough time. I asked myself, "What do I really want to do?" Because because、mm. you are right. Like I'm very lucky. Before I was thirty, I tried a bunch of things already. So、mm-hmm. I I knew what I liked and what I didn't like. But、mm. what did I want to do? And and I wanted. I'm a person who loves craft. Like I love、mm. the idea of working on something for decades and perfecting、right. it. And so I was like, "Well, what's going to be my craft?" And、mm. and I thought it was classical, so I started digging up old repertoire. I started like relearning. I started. I actually auditioned for the Chopin competition, and I was like, "I'm gonna go back." You did、wow. I was like, "I'm gonna go back full time." Yeah. Yeah. And um, but then I was like, you know what? I always wanted to do is improvise, and I think that's the thing every classical musician wants to do is just like play at the piano and just play something, you know, and I like. It's 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 insane to me. Like I study composition, and I can play all these complicated classical pieces, but I can't play anything for me because at、mm. the end of the day, like it, 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 the artistry of a classical musician is the interpretation and the yep, ability、yes. to inspire people. But、mm. the thing that's not in our wheelhouse is 
our music, like our composition. That's not mm. our notes. Like right. our job is like it, we're the best cover artists of all time. <laughs> right. But like we, and that's a hard absolutely thing to accept, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I, exactly. The, the, the beauty of of studying music at Harvard, even though it was incredibly condescending and difficult uh, was that you had to learn about all kinds of music mm. and i was just like i want to be like Jimi hendrix mm. i want to be like you know Wynton marsalis and oh my god now they have esperanza spalding as faculty which is <laughs> so yeah. like i was just like and i got to study with amazing people like vj Iyer and yosvani terry and all these amazing improvisatory performance and then mm. the silk road ensemble did workshops with us like five times a semester and i was mm. like yeah i want to do that right but, but i can't i don't know how to do that I'll and do so that, right. i remember it was march of 2020 mm. right at, right at the beginning of the pandemic exactly i woke up and i was just like you know what i'm gonna play whatever's in my head like, mm. I, have, I don't have perfect pitch right. i've never improvised on the piano i don't know how to do it. i'm gonna try to figure it out and I honestly don't know what happened. I sat at the piano and I did it. I was wow. playing those in my head. That's amazing. And then I was like, this is, this is not possible. <laughs> I, I was like, this is a movie. This is not real. And so I asked my brother like for requests. Mm -hmm. And I would tell him, I would ask him to give me requests of songs I've never played in my life. Pop music. Mm -hmm. I've never. And, mm -hmm. and then I could do it. And then my brother couldn't believe it. Then I got my mom. And I, my mom asked me to play all these old Chinese songs. Right, and I don't, right. I've never read the music for that. And I could do all of it. And then I was like, whoa. Go. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, it's my very horsey voice. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the old classics are all coming back. So yeah, like yeah, like yeah, let that with the sheen. Like I never, I never learned the sheen. Thank you. Uh, but the, it just started clicking, and wow. um, and then so I started like there was this viral app Clubhouse during the pandemic, and it was like this audio app, and a lot of people were on it to make yep, friends because we're all it. bored. We were oh, okay, great. It, yeah. 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 So I went on Clubhouse and I just started improvising for people. Wow. And like, and nice. it was, yeah. And like it grew from one room to five to 100. And I think the biggest it got to was like 5,000. You know what? And no, I'm thinking crazy. maybe I have seen you on there because I feel like your name some feel like felt a little familiar when Kimi was telling me in the beginning, you know, when you guys yeah. wrote to us. Maybe. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. But George, so do you want to? So, like improvise for us like yeah oh sure yeah. we can do yeah. it this is piece i wrote uh <laughs> it's for an ex it's a it's for an ex but uh it's called for you okay um and it's in That's the style romantic. of uh <laughs> yeah it's a, it's inspired by bill evans but again mm -hmm. i i don't know how to play jazz so this is me <laughs> faking jazz but okay uh, but let's hear it all right this is for you george's portion
Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you so much. That was for yeah. you. You know, as I was listening, so challenge as a classical musician myself is to try to play by ear or mm. improvise on the piano on the spot, right? So yeah. it's not that we, I can't. Thankfully, you know, majority of us have this really strong training in solfege, ear training, all the yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then so, but actually what blocks us from is the, we're, because we are afraid of going outside of our comfort zone. I mean, yeah. I mean, okay, that that is not right because playing Chopin Etude and Liszt Sonata is not my comfort zone, okay? <laughs> yeah, oh. I practice. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then, things, yeah. Right, right. But then improvisation is another thing and yeah, we yeah. tend to be extremely judgmental of ourselves. So yep. any encouragement you have toward you know, classical musicians on how to start improvising? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so like the thing is, I hopefully that comes through on the improv is if you heard, I don't try to shy away from any of the technique. I think mm. that's really important because mm. a lot of times when we think of improvisation, we, th especially from the classical tradition, we think even if we're playing things like, I don't remember any of it or like, Like, even if we're playing things like that, when we mm. improvise, we suddenly dumb down our technique because it is difficult. There's that fear component. Mm. But I think hopefully, like, when I improvise, I try to... Like, I try to incorporate as much technique as possible. Or like, to kind of show that all of this stuff mm. is hidden in our subconscious somewhere. So, mm. like... The way to tap into that part of our brain is there's, there's a lot of different layers. So mm. when we're learning classical music, we're taught very systematically what to right. do. Right. And so, but we don't, when we're learning a piece, we're not learning it specifically from the perspective of songwriting. Mm. And I think that is the biggest hurdle before you talk about improvisation. So just even before you talk about improvising, when you learn like... Or you learn like, uh, you know, like I'm just playing Chopin. But mm -hmm. like, you know, if you're learning any of this, try to see why things work the way they do harmonically, mm -hmm. or like from a volt, like a melody perspective. Like, why does this work? You know, why does why does why does that work? You know, like, mm -hmm. and so that that kind of mindset is important if you're starting from the classical tradition and for me what was really inspirational was my two of my teachers study with nadia boulanger mm. yes, of course. she teaches her students of is that perspective is right. teaching composition from the perspective of songwriting not right. necessarily for the piano so you need to have a very strong understanding of music so that's before you get to piano and technique what happens is a lot of classical pianists when they try to improvise they start from the technique they don't mm. start from songwriting mm. so when a classical person when you tell them to improvise say an a like a minor like if you tell them to improvise an a minor just a minor they don't even know where to start they might play right. the chord the triad or maybe they'll play the five this is like what normally happens when you ask a classical person to improvise but if you study songwriting like Mozart, Mozart loves using first inversions. So you mm -hmm. might go, 
One, one, first inversion. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, a D minor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe a suspension. And then if you like Brahms, you'll move to here. Like so, if so, like that. But that improvisation comes from knowing good songwriting. So that's right. the first thing. The second no. thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, that's all right. I just uh, had a quick question that I was yeah. like, it's been popping in my head. Do you feel that because you said it was kind of like it came as a surprise, right? And oh, I kind yeah, yeah, of remember totally. that in the conservatory back home. Um, I'm long, long generation, so you know it's we all went to the conservatory around like eleven, twelve ish, and uh, you know in mainland China, and uh, all these kids are very talented, right? And I yeah. again just like like I was not well trained in the beginning, and I just somehow got in, <laughs> so I witnessed a lot of uh, greatness from the very beginning. But I re realized at one point, like by the time the, like we were thirteen, fourteen, all of a sudden some kids in my class who start to play for malls for like a cafes or like you know we get paid to do and yeah. then they were just so good and so i like now you know I, I obviously have a piano studio and i study a lot of philosophy and i also do a lot of uh, studying of the brain i wonder if it has something to do with a certain repertoire we are forced to learn at a certain point like and i even see some of my own students at some point i don't teach them improvisation but at one point they would just automatically kind of start to pick up certain things. That, that and, only happens if they're extraordinarily gifted. But do you think that it, you said at one point you start practicing eight to ten hours a day? Is did this happen right after that, or no, was no, like no? This literally years? happened when I was like March twenty twenty. Oh, mm -hmm. when the pandemic hit. Yeah. Wow, interesting. And, Very and, interesting. Yeah, it's so like. I mean, you had actually had a little break. Oh, I, I don't know. Time. I literally woke up and it did it. And I, I think it's because of the songwriting perspective. Mm. Because, like, I knew songs. And I love, like, John Mayer and I love Jimi Hendrix and I love mm. Alicia Keys and mm. I love, like, great rap, like, or hip-hop, like A Tribe Called Quest and Handsome Boy Modeling School. And mm. I think because I like good, I like songs. And mm. I think that desire to play songs and understanding of songs is what tapped into that which That's is i think true. what you're experiencing with your students but it mm -hmm. that like i'm not i'm I, I don't it's weird to talk about yourself but for those students it's like because that only happens if they're extraordinarily gifted mm. no it's not it everyone right right exactly. but there is a way yeah. to figure it out but it's yeah. also it's a time when they start to like pop songs i think that also has you know and now thinking back my childhood like my friends when Maybe when yeah, that's true. When you start to listen to songs, right, rather yeah. than just compositions of. But but pieces. actually, classical music were great. Pop, the greatest pop songs of the day, like people forget, Mozart was known as you a pop writer. Yep. He was not yep. writ like Beethoven didn't play his own music. Mm -hmm. He was known as the greatest improviser in Europe and the greatest right. keyboardist. But he was not known as a great composer. Mm -hmm. Haydn right. was the right. <laughs> Johann Christian Bach, CPE mm -hmm. Bach. Mozart mm. and Beethoven were not, Mozart was an opera composer. Right, 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 right. So like everyone kind of forgets that. So like if you examine Mozart, like he plays one five one, but mm. how does he do one five one? He doesn't go. He goes. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. 
He's all circling around C. So when he leaves C, it's more mm-hmm. exciting. So like, these are all components of good songwriting. It's like when the Beatles, you know, right when they like, like. circle around G and instead of going back to one they go they just mm-hmm. they, they, they they make they delay it right they go f- to F4 and then instead of going back to one they do a first inversion mm. mm-hmm. so it's the, if you look at the Beatles they have the same songwriting components as Mozart mm. because they knew how to write good songs and so like that if 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 like we taught music that way like classical it would be mm-hmm. and also like styles like when we learn ravel right it's so difficult mm-hmm. but if you if you can grasp the idea of the style then you can do things like Then you can mm. improvise in style of Ravel because you understand how he writes songs. Right. But anyways, mm, so that, no. that's kind of like how to tap into. And the, the fear component is mm. you have to be okay with making mistakes always. Mm-hmm. And accept you're not a robot. And that playing perfectly is a myth. And playing perfectly was created by Mahler and Mahler ruined classical music. Once you accept, <laughs> okay. once you accept all of that. No, like Mahler yeah. truly ruined mm. the fun. Mm. Mahler took the Mahler took made classical music the most unfun thing in the world. Mm. He created the concert hall we know today, which is the race stage, mm. and he can't see anything in the first three rows. Mm. And he created this idea of ortex. Ortex didn't exist before Mahler. Mm-mm. He did you know that he even Mozart would change the score of Figaro every night, right? Mm. And Mahler was about to throw all of it away. Hmm. Because he said it wasn't the perfect edition. And this monk hmm. saved hmm. it. Hmm. And so, so this idea of perfection is completely overrated. Hmm. And, and has pervaded into classical music and totally ruined the fun and joy out of it. Hmm. And so, like, that's, that's the first, that's another thing. The fear thing is you have to deprogram that world. You yeah. have to go in with having fun. You can't hmm. go in with, like, everything needs to sound perfect. I mean, hmm. for me personally, when I improvise now, like, obviously I can't play perfectly ish with with a band-aid on my finger but like mm-hmm. like i do sometimes like when i improvise sometimes i purposely play mistakes so people know i'm improvising because mm. i've noticed sometimes when i play my shows and i guess this is weird to talk about yourself but like sometimes <laughs> people would not believe i'm improvising they think wow. oh no you wrote the piece mm. I said, no 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 it's completely improvised and wow. and so like sometimes i purposely put in mistakes mm-hmm. so people would know i'm i'm completely making it up so mm. I think this idea of perfection, you have to kind of go over it and you have to have fun. And once you have fun and then you, you have this idea of good songwriting, mm. it will come. The third skill is, can you actually, do you actually know the notes? And what I mean by that is when you, when you read a score of music, like, mm. can you actually read it? Like, instead of reading, like, for example... Are you are you reading this on the piano, like the hand positions, or are you reading E flat, D, T, mm-hmm. uh, but actually it's actually it's B flat. It's 
It's it's it's a it's a B flat seven, but just with a D and F. Can you read it like that? And this is moving. This is pushing it down mm-hmm. into resolving into A flat first inversion. Mm-hmm. And like, if you read music that way, mm-hmm. then you you probably start improvising or writing music very quickly. But if you read music as this is where my finger goes, this is where my finger goes, this is where my finger goes. Then you'll never get there. So I think it's all those components put together. Wow. And I'll, I'll stop rambling. That was a lot. No, it's okay. No, 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 no. But you know, as a pianist, we tend to think that way. Oh, this finger goes this. Yeah. Because that's how we think about music, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I am learning as I am interviewing a lot more artists now, and like the way pianists tend to think about music, and also conservatory graduate or you know conservatory yeah. training that's yeah. another whole thing and i'm not it's saying your brain yeah, yeah i'm not saying yay or nay about mm-hmm. anything but i think just part of our, our tendency is to think certain ways about music which is uh, so different from composers mindset yeah. and also improvisers or even um conductors mindset right yeah so in so many ways it makes sense that you study to be a conductor rather than piano itself right hey guys we're now officially on patreon yay i'm so excited about our next step on this podcasting journey same here so dear tpp fans we love what we do and it's been an incredible journey for both of us for the last two and a half years and we are now six in six this episode into uh, season three and more than ever we need your support to continue our work by bringing you highly valuable content bi-weekly by interviewing the a-listers in the industry so please go to patreon.com slash the piano pod and become part of the tpp community by subscribing to us with your subscription you will receive monthly subscriber only exclusive content from our show that's right. And once again, it's patreon.com slash the piano pod. We can't wait to connect with you on Patreon very soon. I am curious about your albums and EP. I know late, recently you just produced uh, the latest one. It's called uh, No Man. In the, sky, in the Sky in the sky is the latest one. Now, yeah. so tell us Nomad in the Sky. I um, checked it out and it says an exploration of your favorite anime and TV shows and embody the hero's uh, a journey. And you wanted to create a piano suite that encapsulates the mysticism and oh, and then and so it, of an epic voyage. So it's like every single album or EP you produce seems to have a a theme and also there's a collaboration with a visual artist yeah can you tell us yeah so i guess it's kind of like program music in a way oh Um, cool but yeah i I try to have a theme for everything because i think it's fun and it's just it's it's just when you when you create a body of work it's just nicer when there's a story you know like like it's funny even though we think of these older composers like we think of like we think okay that's like the third symphony but like and then we named it Eroica later but like mm. you know Beethoven did write that for Napoleon and mm-hmm. that like that's a cool story right you know yeah. and so I think we, we are we are gravitated by stories that's the kind of people like we're social beings and so I think that's that's kind of why it lends to the themes um and then I I really love art you know mm-hmm. and I've been very lucky to work with a lot of great artists like like Maggie Chung, she's a Taiwanese-American artist. She did my uh, EP. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, um, and then uh, I, I collab with this artist uh, couple, Georgico, no relation, but that's just their artist <laughs> duo name. But like they, they painted um, the art. Yes, painting. yes, I, I noticed that name. Uh, I thought it was like, well, may, did you find them Tunes. just because, yeah. <laughs> they, no, they, we, they, were, they, we were just fans of each other, pure coincidence. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's because uh, they designed your Vangers of the Cosmos. The Cosmos right. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask you about that album too, because one, uh, Impromptu for No One was like really Debussy like, and then also oh, you challenge you. yourself. You challenged yourself to be the part of this Paganini Variation Club with Liszt and Brahms and Rachmaninoff oh, yeah. and Berkovich. And, you know, so that tell, was, to, yeah, tell oh, us. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that album was like an homage to the classical world. And, um, so like the first piece was like prelude for Chopin and that was like a piece for, you know, Chopin and then impromptu for no one. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like a piece it's just kind of like one of those aimless pieces like Debussy like or Pav- Pavan for a dead princess. Like is there a point to it? No. But there is meaning. You know, it's kind of like one of those pieces. And then I, I wanted to do something really stupid, which was improvise an eight, uh, uh, like a whole etude set. And <laughs> like I just thought if I could, because because for me, my entire a lot of a big part of my classical music journey was proving to classical musicians that I can play. And I was very much discouraged my entire career. Mm-hmm. I've been told by very famous professors who teach at the world's best conservatories. Here, some of my favorite quotes are, it's, it's, it's obvious you're very passionate about music, but you can never play, so you should give up. Um, mm. You would be a great pianist had you been born in China and not the United States. Um, <laughs> That's funny. You're probably the worst student I ever auditioned, but we'll give it a try. And so, like, I've been told, like, the craziest stuff. I've been, and there are very famous musicians today who have been very not kind to me about my musicianship. Mm. And so I felt mm. like that particular uh, theme, uh, improvised variation, I wanted to prove to real players mm. that I can improvise at a level where you would think I wrote this etude. Mm. And like I practice for hours. And mm. so that's why that's kind of like part of the reason I did the improvised variations was one, it was a challenge for myself. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it was to prove to serious musicians that I can play. And so I decided to do the most difficult one, which is do what version of my version of Paganini. Because, you know, List and Brahms did their like crazy versions. And, you know, List, Brahms had the. The octave yeah. bliss, oh, which I oh, if I I figured out how to do it really easily, but that's like another, <laughs> that's another. <laughs> but um, and so so yeah, so I tried to explore that, and I really mm-hmm. wanted to see if I could improvise etudes for mm-hmm. like all these different unique variations, mm-hmm. but also have all the ebbs and flows of a true complete set. So have a very mysterious esoteric, you know, slow part, but like harmonically very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really cap it at the end with this big show off etude. Mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah, that was really done in all in one take. That mm-hmm. entire, that, well, that, all my albums are in one take. But, really? 
everything's in one take. Wow. I don't edit, I don't micro edit anything. Wow, wow. that's incredible. Yeah. You are yeah. sticking to being an improviser. That's amazing. That's very inspiring. Yeah, so literally yeah. I have written no notes on any of my pieces. Every, so like even when I play impromptu for no one. Mm-hmm. Like everything is different every time. It's never wow. the same. And I just keep it that way. Like, I refuse to write down all, any of the notes. So people ask me for my arrangements, and I say, mm. it's not an arrangement. Mm. It's I played that for you in that moment. Wow. I don't know how to do it again. I honestly so don't crazy. remember how to do it. Mm. I wonder what came to the dream that night. <laughs> Everything <laughs> just changed. I have no idea. So cool. I'm just so grateful it happened, and right. um, I have a... Uh, like starting of a career for it and yeah. I'm just super I wonder grateful. if it's also just the mixture of uh, different experiences right you be mm-hmm. you really had a very unique um, music experience I think than a lot of other musicians probably you know that just stay in the conservatory mm-hmm. or whatever however they everybody is so one of the earlier guests of our show uh, Remac which you just uh, I don't know if you know him. He's like a YouTube YouTuber, uh, pianist from Malaysia. And he oh, cool. was like an early generation, you know, like when YouTube first came out and he was like the most well-known in Asia. And yeah, but he was my student briefly for a, a, a year. Uh, and he couldn't be a music major because he was playing video games so much that he like couldn't really read and so he was like you know improvising <laughs> because he was like he didn't want to tell his dad he was playing too much games but anyway and so i remember he's like about the same age like a couple of years younger than me so you know we were good friends but i was technically also his professor so he was like right. and then you know i was teaching these classes uh in the university where Everybody else is a music major, and he yeah. here he is, uh, econ- economy major. You know, he was like, so he was like, but you have to have feelings, feelings. You know, like he's trying to tell all these other music students, and they were like, what is that? Like, I gotta practice. I have no time for that. You know, it's just really interesting. So, seeing yeah. what you have uh, gotten, I mean, I really, I cannot wait. One day, maybe when you the inspiration comes again, maybe you will have a class where you can teach other people how to improvise the same way you know i i would take that class totally oh yeah i I actually did uh, i was a guest um lecturer for tone bass for a month oh wow that's cool um, congratulations that's right i well i've I've guest lectured at like juilliard and Mm -hmm. tanglewood but never that was like for classical or for music technology but i've never done like i wish i could do it at a conservatory but yeah like i got well maybe it's no time yet maybe you know at some point it will come through right now you have maybe too many other things and uh yeah and i i have another question that i really want to because i am i mean you keep me and i i think we we pride ourselves for being a little bit untraditional as well you know that's why we have our podcast and then um you have this you you, you're pushing classical music forward by creating like audience you know engaging events and recordings and uh, and i know you also have all these other sort of uh, interests like uh yukimi was showing me this uh, beautiful gang of uh it was com- uh, designed by guo pei uh, and i believe rihanna uh, wore it one yeah, time the Empress, and they, the... i think you were performing for the event in december right and how does this all these things like um, or you know impression of how like i don't know how how did you all these ideas that 
or experience that you have had from Harvard, from Asian parenting, from growing up in California, from living in New York, and from you know playing all these different gigs and the and the, from liking and not liking and from people saying no to you repeatedly and to people who are like, oh wow, you're not a stunning artist, you know, even though you're doing other majors, like. Did you at one point just kind of like, all right, this is me, and I'm just gonna put everything together? Like, did you have a moment like that? Yeah,、um, I guess the to my、uh, advantage or detriment, I、mm-hmm. I I just really always wanted to do what I wanted to do, and、um, so like growing up as a Asian American kid, that was not easy because I never wanted to do what my parents wanted to do,、uh, mm-hmm. and I I think like having fun is like the other component. And so, like for example, I've been going to classical music concerts since I was three every、mm-hmm. week, and I rarely had fun as a kid,、mm-hmm. you know, because like <laughs> I was just gonna, gonna say,、Disneyland. "Good job, mom and dad," and then you were like, "I do." What's crazy is like. I guess this is my talent. Is I, I've noticed my 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 true talent in music. I have two. One is sound production. For、mm. some reason, when I play any instrument, I know how to produce a good sound. So I know、mm. that's my talent.、And、my second talent is musical memory.、Mm. So I even remember the first concert I went to, Pacific Symphony. I was three. They played Mozart Forty One. Absolutely、mm. hated it. But、um, I, I think like. I just realized. I just I was when I when I was doing these events, I was like, classical music is great, or like now I'm just doing improvised classical music, and I、mm. said, but but I want people to have fun,、mm. and and I remember in school, learning about what it was like to go to a classical music concert in the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries,、mm. and that was way more fun than today. Like you know, <laughs> you went to a Mozart opera, yeah, you could have breakfast, you watch like part of it, then you have a two-hour、mm. intermission. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You come back, yeah. maybe drink a little bit, eat a little bit, whatever more, you want to do, or like、yeah. salons. Like every、right. great composer you could think of hung out basically at a pub, yeah, in yeah. Paris, a very posh pub, and they just played piano for like eight hours and got drunk together. Like、yeah. we have a salon series here. We're gonna have a salon、oh, on、fantastic. Friday. You know, we serve drinks and the, you know, yeah, people, we、oh, were、wow. like get、There、drunk before we start playing. Exactly, so that, you know, and so like <laughs> you I want to. Exactly, and I think we're all in that same vein. Like, I want to bring that fun to people my age. So, like, most people in my audience are like twenty-two to thirty-five,、mm. because you know I、cool. think I'm trying to create experiences what they would enjoy. And so, like, whether that's in food or in fashion or like,、mm. like even、mm. like this Saturday I did a concert at Colburn, and we had over a hundred people, and everyone was almost everyone was under the age of thirty-five. And I just remember, like, security guards wow, at Colburn were like, "This is the youngest audience we've ever seen for an adult." <laughs> us, right? Like, right. like that's not a community school event. They're like, "This is、mm-hmm. the youngest audience we've ever seen,"、mm-hmm. and they're like, "And they're like, we were watching it through the monitors, and it looks like a lot of fun." And I was、mm-hmm. like, "That's exactly what I'm going for is fun."、Mm-hmm. But like, the other thing too is respecting your audience enough where you won't dumb、mm-hmm. down the music.、Mm-hmm. So、mm-hmm. even when I'm improvising,、mm-hmm. I don't dumb down from the harmony. Like, if you wanted to analyze in a theory class, I'm doing augmented sixes, I'm doing diatonic tones, I'm、mm-hmm. doing common tone、uh, 
pivoting. I'm doing triadic chromaticism. Mm-hmm. I'm doing motivic development. Mm-hmm. I'm doing inner voices. I'm playing five voice harmony. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not dumbing down the music for my audience, mm-hmm. but I'm presenting it in a way that's fun. And mm. I'm respecting my audience for their musical knowledge. And I think when you combine all of that, mm. then you get to do exciting events like playing piano for Guope's like mm. winter gala, which is super fun. Or, yeah. you know, like like uh, in November 17th, I'm doing a show in, down, in uh, K-Town, in Koreatown. Mm. And mm. it's going to be at a like this, like it's like Soho House for like people who are into Asian culture. You know, mm. it's like mm. it's like a club. And uh you know Steinway like we did the show last month like Steinway brought in a seven foot you know Spirio mm. B and then mm. I just played piano and and wow. like I played an actual show while people were having dinner so, wow yeah. you know so in so many ways our philosophy and yours are similar like Very we similar. are we're also not dumbing down the no, audience great. and also even teaching our mm-hmm. s- students are smart but yeah. maybe they're not in this classical music world, right? But then right. it's really my job is to how to present this tradition of Western music, classical music to my students and to my audience, to our audience, right? This is really totally up to you. And you can yeah. do as creative as the way you're doing and as creative as what, what how we are doing, try to do with this podcast. So I, I really uh, appreciate you sharing this honest opinion. So what's your vision for this classical music industry? I know you are sort of, uh, you know, bridging classical music to uh, other fields, other uh, genre in music, but you have this classical training. So what's your vision for this classical music industry? Yeah. In a few years, yeah, because I can solve all the problems in a few right. years. <laughs> um, I uh, I think there's a lot of things that need to change. Mm. One is that I think classical people or mm. people who run organizations need to realize this is not a white mm. industry anymore. Mm. This is more an Asian one. Mm. And I think times change. And I think it's like being more open and diverse about that. I think mm. it's a more female one. There are way more mm. female musicians studying now than men. I sure. think it's like 60, 40%. Hmm. That's so funny. Yeah. if you go to Juilliard, most of the applicants that apply to Juilliard are female. Mm. So I think having more female voices is incredibly important. Of course, mm. that will hurt my career as a man. But <laughs> I, 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 you know, no, no, but that's just the truth. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny. It just occurred to me. I just remember this from so long ago. But when I got into the uh, conservatory, you know, at that time, they like choose 8,000 kids uh, out of 30 from 8,000, right? And I remember literally there were like in my class, there are pianists and violinists and there's nine boys all together. And then, you know, we were talking about how eventually all nine of them will have a career and none of us, like even at 11, we knew that. And it's like, uh, you know, we never even thought that deeply at that age. But that's, that's interesting. You're saying that. Yeah. No, yeah. I I mean, like that, that, uh, that, that is like a trend we're still seeing today that needs to change. Um, I think the edu- way the way we educate music in America needs to change. We've forgotten why American conservatories were great. Mm-hmm. American conservatories were great because we didn't just teach you how to play the instrument. We taught you how to be a person. 
Mm. If you look at the classes they taught in the fifties, you were required to take very difficult musicology classes, philosophy, linguistics.、Mm. You, um, how do you play Chopin without knowing how to dance?、Mm. How do、mm. ballad, mazurka, waltz, mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. jig, barcarolle?、Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like you need to know how to dance. These are this dance music,、mm. and most music, most concert pianists don't know how to dance.、Um, <laughs> Or you'd be surprised. Like I taught a master class at Tanglewood, and no one knew orchestra excerpts.、Mm. And they're playing Brahms, and I would、mm. quote like Academic Festival Overture, and they had no idea what it was.、Mm. And so we need to change how we approach music, teach music.、Mm. We need to get music appreciation back into public schools. Amen. Like the reason why. The classical music audience is aging, is because all the people going to the audience had a great public school education, and、mm-hmm. all of them had one thing in common: they、mm-hmm. went to music appreciation.、Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, the classical industry needs to finally recognize that film music is、mm-hmm. the opera of today. Accepted、mm-hmm. because、mm-hmm. no, because like I'm also a film composer,、mm-hmm. and I can confidently say. No one who wants to have fun, who has musical ability, wants to write music for classical anymore.、Mm. We all want to write it for movies because、mm. that's fun,、mm. and like it's just as complicated.、Right. You know, if, if you、right. look at, if, I mean, John Williams would be like early, early Brahms complexity. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's still complicated and great music,、totally. and it moves us. And every time、mm-hmm. you hear, but you know, every time you hear, you're like,、mm-hmm. oh my god, you're you're back into the mo- like you're put back into that place in a long time ago in、mm-hmm. a galaxy far, far away. So I think all those things need to change, and.、Um, Yeah, and then I think also the way we teach music, like we should go from the perspective of having fun, doing、mm. it well, but not from a place of negative judgment.、Mm. Because I can, on my hand, I can count how many people are happy doing classical music, but I would run out of limbs to talk about how many people have been hurt by classical music,、mm. like truly、yes. hurt. Yes, so yes, we yes. need to change that mindset,、mm-hmm, and then,、mm-hmm. and then you'll see the change. Also, just accept classical music as a niche genre. Throughout、mm-hmm. history, only at most, at most in a society, three percent of people listen to classical music.、Mm-hmm. That was the most of、mm-hmm. all human history. So,、mm-hmm. we have to accept that the money is different,、mm-hmm. and 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 scale back our expectations. But、mm-hmm. but I think if you change all of that.、Mm-hmm. And you make it fun again, and、mm. you go from the perspective of of, of a positive、mm. engagement with it. I mean, still doing it at a high level, but with a positive engagement, I think you're going to see a lot, a huge、yes. shift. And then let people Instagram during concerts. Who cares?、Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And what、yeah. I've noticed, if you're good at what you do,、mm-hmm. they'll Instagram for a little bit, and they will never look at their phone again. Right.、Mm. So、mm. that's a good test for you as an audience.、Mm. Is like. And I've also noticed when I tell people in the audience they can take photos, they take、mm. way less photos.、Mm. They do it once or twice and then done.、Mm-hmm. If you're a good musician, and so like,、mm. I don't know, I have a lot to rant about. <laughs> no, no, no. But this is great. No, so you know, then one more. Then I, I think we have to. You know, it's time for us to go to the rapid fire. But before that,、uh-huh. any advice for young piano、uh, piano students? Don't forget why you're doing it. That's the first thing. It's like you're doing this because you love it.、Mm. If you're not doing it because you love it, reevaluate. 
and it's okay to reevaluate and it's okay to fail and it's okay to quit because mm. I quit a lot of people quit it's okay mm. to quit mm-hmm. um, but remember why you're doing it mm. um, the second thing is that it's going to be incredibly difficult it's and and third is even with all the hard work in the world mm. you may not have luck mm. so for instance with my career I would say most of my career has been without luck like mm. I haven't made it yet I'm still an emerging artist like I had to sell my piano to make you know keep the keep the bills afloat you know I'm still getting I self-produced 60% of my concerts right I'm still mm. unsigned in the United States um, I'm I'm chasing down leads constantly I am networking every night I'm drinking mm. at K-Town every weekend to find <laughs> the next person who's gonna pay for my gig mm. yeah and like you just have to I work out five times a week so I can be in stage to look mm-hmm. decent on stage you know and like uh, like I have brand partnerships with fashion designers. Not well, I'm a big fan, but also like I don't have money to buy clothes to change mm-hmm. at every concert. So I need to make right. you need if you you have to accept if you want that life, it's going to be incredibly difficult, mm-hmm. and you may not make it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like you kind of have to be okay with that, and mm-hmm. it's hard to be okay with it. Some days I'm not okay with it. Some days I literally just don't do anything, mm-hmm. and I like wrap myself in a blanket and mm-hmm. I watch like Naruto and I cry. <laughs> You know, like, some, you know, so, so like, if if you accept all of that, then yeah. mm-hmm. mentally it's going to be, oh, oh, and get a therapist. Mm-hmm. Just have, one on, just yeah, have yeah, one on the back. Sure. I go to therapy yeah. every week since mm-hmm. March 1st of 2020. Mm-hmm. Right. It will just, it will keep you level-headed mm-hmm. because yeah. you can get into a dark place. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, that's for and the earlier emerging. you also said, you know, huh? have that positive you know, mindset, yeah. even accepting mm. all of this, but yet still stay positive. You know, yeah, it's you like you have to. I so yeah. huge. That's yeah, so huge. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. That's great advice, and you are Beautiful. being so candid and open to us and trusting Absolutely. us. And I really, wow. really, really appreciate. So. We want to promote your show on November seventeenth in California, uh, in San Diego. No, it's in Koreatown. In LA. Oh, it's Koreatown, Korea LA. Town. Okay, yeah. okay. There's gonna be. There's going to be a lot of great food. They have this amazing duck that's like cooked oh in Viking duck style. They have a crafted cocktails. <laughs> oh yeah, you should come. Uh, yeah. If you come, if you come there to LA, a, you know? a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like we have crafted. They have crafted cocktails. They're made mm-hmm. by the same people who do Bestia, so they're award-winning cocktails. Um, mm-hmm. There's like three bars. It's like it's like a cool place. And then oh, Steinways yeah. bring a seven-foot spirio. So that's oh my goodness, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. so amazing. And Sounds also like another thing is you just produced uh, Nomad in the Sky, which is the latest EP. So you can listen to his uh, the latest you know production on any streaming services. So be sure to check it out and also check his uh, website out. Uh, it's georgeco.co. Yep, Co. Yeah. Okay, so oh, with this great. mood, let's get into this rapid fire question. And then, oh, George, God. we need the shortest an- shortest answer possible for each question. Very okay. Short. You don't you don't have to explain. We don't okay. judge you. Just <laughs> answer. All I'll right. Just judge myself, but yes. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Number one, what is your comfort food? <sighs> pizza. Oh my goodness. New York pizza. <laughs> If oh wow best yeah, the best pizza cats or dogs oh dogs i'm definitely allergic to both but dogs all right Ooh. what is your word or words to live by 
Look, live every day like it's your last. Beautiful. What is the most important quality you look for in other people? Integrity. Beautiful. It's the opposite. What's the worst quality you want to stay away from? Selfishness. Hmm. Name three people who inspire you, living or dead. Uh, John Mayer, <laughs> Hiromi Hara,、mm-hmm. Rubenstein. Hmm. Great. Name one piece in your current playlist. Oh, um, Skate by Silk Sonic. Okay. Oh, I don't know that.、Oh. I, I want to check yeah, it out. Yeah, we have to check、That's、it out.、So、good. Yeah. You get only one piece or song to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it? Brahms Fourth Symphony, specifically Carlos Kleiber conducting the Berlin Philharmonic on the original、uh, vinyl、um, yep. from Deutsche Grammophon. Ah,、uh, Carlos Kleiber, wonderful conductor. Yes. Yeah. The Now the last question. Fill in the blank. Music is blank. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I love that. I love it.、Oh、yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.、Okay. Wow. What a fun wow. interview we had. We thank you so much. <laughs> no, yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you, you、so、George.、Much. Oh, this was incredible. So this concludes this episode of the Piano Pod. And thank you, George, once again for joining us today and sharing your stories and insights and expertise. And you can find more information about、uh, him and his、uh, on his website at George. Code.co, and we want to encourage our audience to check out his events on his website, and all the links are listed in the description. Thank you to our wonderful audience and fans for tuning in today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please read and review it on whatever podcasting platform you use. If you are watching us on YouTube, remember to hit the thumbs up button and be sure to subscribe to our channel. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. The links are in the description below. If you're interested in being the guest or recommending someone to be on our show as a guest, or you, if you'd like to sponsor or collaborate with us, shoot us an email at thepianopodnyc@gmail.com or send us a DM via social media. We will see you for the next episode of the Piano Pod. Bye, everyone, and thank you, George. Thank you so much. Thank、yes. you so much. Thank you.